Hey everyone, welcome to What the Meta, a podcast in which I, Spencer Bing, sit down with esports industry professionals and talk with them about the work they're doing and how they got there. The aim of this podcast is to provide you with insight about getting involved in maintaining a career in the esports industry. I'm here today with Alan, AC, the man himself. Uh, we worked together at Hurrah. Um, first of all, welcome to the podcast. Welcome to What the Meta. Um, and Tell me a little bit about yourself. Tell me quickly kind of about your background. So I definitely forgot this was a recording and waved in my room like people could see me. Uh, I am a senior um, university student over in the United States, uh, but that's not why I'm here today. I'm here because I've had the awesome opportunity in the past to run a lot of different esports events, uh, mainly for a company called Endgame TV. We run some of the biggest Nintendo-based esports tournaments in America, I've also had the chance at Hurrah uh, to do some great things with Ubisoft over in Paris. And really right now, it's just figuring out what's going to happen after college and seeing if I can annoy the Overwatch League a little bit with my help in the meantime. Good deal. Well, thank you for that introduction. Um, can you tell me a little bit about how you got started in esports? Was there a moment where you kind of something clicked and you're like, oh, man, I really enjoy this. I, I would like to work at this. 100% out of spite. Let's be completely honest here. Um, I had always loved gaming, but my parents loved me going outside, which not a bad thing. But um, it eventually got to the point where I wasn't allowed to have a gaming console until I think 10th grade. So six years ago, five years ago at this point. And I'd saved up money. I'd not been allowed to purchase one. And my parents made me wait that long because they didn't want me to get super involved and super interested in gaming. So, of course, the minute they got a Wii U, within about four months, I was running my first esports event in Chicago. Um, and that was just because I don't think I'd ever had the chance to get involved. So it kind of just all hit at once. So without getting... Um, and, yeah. Oh, I was going to say, without no, actually no. properly being able to get, get involved yourself... Um, did you follow from the sidelines? Were you able to like, uh, like kind of, did you follow certain scenes or did you know of stuff before or how did you kind of find your way into it? Honestly, outside of maybe knowing competitive Pokemon exist, uh, gaming was never really something I did follow. Didn't have the largest amount of internet access growing up. Uh, but I kind of didn't really start to understand scenes until I started getting involved with Nintendo. And then I didn't really understand the rest of esports uh, until I really started moving into the college space. And especially over at Hurrah, my job was a lot to become a walking encyclopedia. So I finally was able to learn a little bit more about games like League and Fortnite and everything that I wasn't necessarily playing myself. Nice. And currently, what would you say is like your favorite uh, scene, the fighting game scene? They might, oh, I have to say that for face value, otherwise they'll hurt me. Um, fighting games, my favorite to support, uh, but to watch right now, I'm definitely a huge Overwatch fan. Uh, maybe not necessarily just like the games themselves, but watching how things are breaking down and seeing if the scene's going to survive. It's, it's a lot more interesting than fighting games. I know what goes on behind the scenes. Overwatch is still a surprise. Fair. That's totally fair. Yeah, it's it's quite interesting to see uh, how how the Overwatch League is going to to fare this year um, com with kind of everything going on. How would you define your role, like your professional role um, in esports, like in in general? Like, how would you define your work? So I would define myself as a tournament organizer slash event manager. 
really, my biggest involvement has been planning events, especially from the start. I started with Splatoon events. Of course, it branched out more now, but I realized I wasn't really much of a player, and I would much rather kind of give environments and opportunities for others to succeed, especially in the grassroots scene, because they're kind of where the help is needed the most. Very good. And uh, what skills do you, would you say that you uh, utilize on a daily basis or, um, you know, when you're working at that? So the nice thing about being an event planner, especially in gaming, which is kind of the wild west of the world of working at the moment still, is, of course, you need to be intelligent. Of course, you need to be competent. But at the end of the day, it doesn't really come down as necessarily to technical skills or to your knowledge of code really anything that might matter more in a broadcast environment. What matters is how much you care. And like caring is a weird thing to cite as a skill, but it's something that is incredibly obvious when you're looking at a final event. Uh, the amount of effort, the amount of caring that you put in, this isn't necessarily working 18 hours a day. It's knowing what your attendees want, knowing how you as an individual might be able to make that happen and really taking the time to put in those extra three steps, that little bit of polish, that extra bit of fun at an event. I know one time we did like 1200 chicken nuggets and like that was like $200, but the difference and little bit of two hours extra planning that that took, just the little things on top, all that caring is kind of the biggest skill that I think I use uh, when I was doing a lot of the event planning stuff on the daily basis. As you are uh, like a college student right now, are you active within your university as well? Or um, can you tell me a little bit about? Uh, so esports at UGA, uh, we can't call ourselves UGA esports because our school does not like to officially recognize us. It is actually one of the most active esports scenes in like the SEC, which is one of the really big football community councils in the United States areas. Um, I kind of serve as an advisor role in the club, try not to necessarily serve as an officer, more work with the other team members there to make sure they have similar opportunities that I've had with Endgame and whatnot. But um, tried to have been really active with them. In the past, we've held the biggest uh, collegiate lands, I think, in the United States. Rutgers has been really close to us with numbers. Uh, the Fortnite collegiate world champions came from our school uh, last year but then they also of course on the national broadcast said that they hate Fortnite, so we claim them sometimes um and honestly it's just a really good group nice um do you see do you see your university eventually kind of moving into esports on an official note or do you think there's some butting of heads somewhere God, I hope so. Um, it's it's honestly pretty nuts what we've been able to accomplish without university support. When we look at great programs like what Alabama has, what Clemson has, they have sponsored jerseys, they get money to travel, they do this, they do that, and they're killing it. Uh, and we've still honestly been able to do just as much, if not more, than a lot of these programs without funding. So we've been trying to get UGA to kind of wake up to the fact that they could be huge if they wanted to. Uh, a little bit worried because most of the strongest members of the organization are graduating and moving on. And it's really discouraging to the younger members for UGA to do things like actively not support us or not really give us access to spaces, to venues for future collegiate lands. So unless there's a big shift, I don't know if something's going to happen soon. But esports is kind of getting enough attention. And if the other college schools have something, UGA might be jealous enough. So that's kind of our only hope.
That's that's a very interesting perspective. I kind of think that my university is well, not nearly as large or uh, you know, or as uh, popular as yours. My Division two school uh, has a couple universities nearby who are uh, in Michigan that are popping up with esports programs on the official side of things. Specifically, one of their their main rivals, a crosstown rival, essentially. So um, that might kick them into gear, but we'll, we'll see. Really, just hope. Okay, uh, what is what is your favorite part about your work uh, so far in esports, in or around esports? Oh, def definitely the event themselves. Let's be honest, the months of work up to the event aren't the fun part. No one's doing this job because they get to sit there and go, wow, spreadsheets. Um, but the actual events, um, especially on the grassroots level, I've gotten the chance now to work kind of more of a professional setting where you're not really on a name-to-name -name basis with your attendees. But since I've gotten to do so much grassroots, just sitting there, getting to know everyone, realize the kind of impact you've been able to do, and actively help people have the best experience possible because you still have that chance to have that personal connection. Once the budget starts getting bigger and the states start getting higher, of course, there's a lot less time and opportunity to really make sure on the one-to-one -one basis things are good. As far as like your teams around you, like the people around you that help organize the event with you. Um, what are some like important roles do you see uh, specifically with your work, like event planning? Like what are some important roles that the people around you are doing to help make like a successful event? So I've, I've had the unique opportunity to kind of grow a team that I really wanted to see in a grassroots environment. Um, started out in Chicago with the first ever Splatoon tournament, uh, in-person U.S. tournament with Endgame TV. And it was kind of just like three of us screaming and like not actually screaming, more internally screaming and freaking out and not knowing what's going on. And one of us doing all the tech stuff, one of us doing all the tournament stuff, yada, yada, yada. And from that, it was kind of vowing to not have that same environment happen again. So me seeing what kind of roles and teams you needed to build up from that. And I think this last event that they had really kind of solidified the roles that should exist in a tournament environment. You really need someone that is in charge of the logistics. Uh, this doesn't necessarily need to be the actual TO or referee at the event, but usually the same person. Uh, but then if you have someone else to be in charge of volunteers, of course, that makes that process go way smoother. You can't do both. I've tried to do both. It sucks. Um, another individual that's very important is just someone that you can have to rely on as kind of a secondary, not really an executive assistant type role, but as close as you can get in a gaming tournament environment. This is the person that understands the format, understands your thought process, and you can sort of yell things at that like make sense in your brain, and then you'll actually make them make sense together. Uh, this is great for things like format and other things that the gamers are going to have to directly deal with. And you as a solo individual, can't make the 100% right decision about 100% uh, of the time. Oh, that's repetitive. This coffee is not kicked in yet. Um, and then beyond that, you really want a liaison to the stream or the broadcast setup because the last thing you need as an organizer is having to freak out over a production issue while also freaking out over a setup issue or an individual player issue. And then finally, just relying on your volunteers. It's really easy to think that you're the one who created the schedule, you're the one who has done the logistics for months, that you can do it all on your own, but you have hopefully 
a team of people that have volunteered to help out to be pool captains, uh, to be on stage to help with the stream. And even if it's a grassroots event and not something that has, you know, a hundred thousand dollar budget, those people are going to be there to do good work because they wouldn't sign up for it otherwise. Awesome. Can you tell me about a personal sacrifice you've made to kind of help uh, help your career in some sense? Uh, definitely my sanity. Uh, don't recommend. Um, but really, personal sacrifice. Um, I don't even know if it's to help my career. Uh, full disclosure, very, very happy to still be in the esports realm as much as I am. But I'm actually going to go be a consultant when I get out of college. Crazy, I know. <laughs> I will be a uh, business consultant that will probably still be in touch with esports as it grows more into the mainstream like business world. So I think that's a lot of reason I was given this position, but not entirely as connected as I am in my current role. But the the biggest sacrifice I think I made at the events to make the event go well is again, going back to that caring from earlier, is really that 12 a.m., 2 a.m. time slot where everyone's out of the room after day one, after day two, and really going back and making sure that things are as set up, as ready as when the event started, uh, maybe making improvements, making things better. Usually this is done by myself. Thankfully, in the past few events I was able to do, some other people decided to tag along but this is just the time that you have to reset to really get your mindset ready and make sure that things are perfect, even though you've already done it all for day one, day two, day three, or a whole new animal. And the reason it's a sacrifice is you're going to be getting up at like 5, 6 a.m. the next day. Uh, sleep isn't real on tournament time. I have realized I need two and a half hours. Any less than that, I will die. But as long as I have above two and a half, I'm good for two days, good for three days. So yeah, just really taking the extra time and not really allowing it to be a, oh, I need to go to bed moment. That's fair. You got to take care of yourself. Even for even that two hours, you know, it's better than nothing. Very helpful. I was going to ask you about uh, something you've learned in the last year or so. So something that has been very apparent to me and something that I'm really glad that I've learned because I think it especially helped during the job application process while in college is understanding that money is relative. Um, I came from an environment, especially before working hurrah, where I was like, dude, I got 7k. Holy crap, I'm loaded. How do I spend all this money? This is this is magic. And then I get to places like hurrah. Um, I start dealing with uh, large budgets while prepping for interviews for the business world and very much wrapping my head around what the large numbers on a project actually mean. Because I remember seeing kind of the first projects that we were getting pitched as RFPs and going, dude, that's 80K. How do we even spend 80K on this? I could do this for four. Let's do this project. And my supervisor looking at me like I had 18 heads because I was stupid um, because in the real world of esports, and hopefully in all of esports one day, you actually pay people for things. And that 80K suddenly became 20K under budget or 25K under budget. And kind of wrapping your head around the scope of what different levels of the industry look like is super important because it saves you from getting your ass kicked in 
when you're kind of trying to move up the ladder, when you're looking at different kinds of projects or you're looking at different styles of opportunities because it reminds you what is and is not possible. Um, I didn't realize this uh, thing enough, but I first started realizing it when I had the opportunity to help run an event in Japan with the most amazing Splatoon organizers. I love them to death. They're wonderful. Um, they were sponsored by a division of Echo Fox. Um, this is nothing against them. But when we were approached and when we were thinking about how to do this, I didn't really kind of realize what kind of budget needed to exist there because I had run my events with much smaller budgets. And the numbers that we were looking at then and the time frame we were looking at them seemed good enough. But really, just if I would have taken that extra time to build a spreadsheet initially, really narrow it down and have the guts to say, no, this is a bad idea, my summer probably would have been a lot less 4 a.m. nights and stress and dying. And it sucks because a lot of times when you think about money and you think about these kind of issues, it is the I need to be smart enough to know when to say no. And it's really hard to say no to the opportunities that are actually going to make you examine the numbers. But at the end of the day, it's kind of more worth it, especially career-wise, to know what you're getting into and do it well, rather than jumping on an opportunity because it's shiny that's kind of doomed to be a disaster from the start. Totally fair, I think. Can you tell me a story about an event gone wrong? Or is there have you had any like wild stories about some like, you know, either unruly attendees or uh, on fortunate circumstances or anything of the sort oh my god yeah we have like a band list of like 26 people um most of them very well deserved uh esports is great gaming is great but the stereotypes do exist for a reason um but one of the wilder stories happened just through a series of a tournament through a series of the various iterations of an event that I do in Wisconsin called Smash and Splash. Uh, it's not an orgy surprise. It is a Splatoon and Smash tournament that happens at the wonderful Kalahari uh, in Wisconsin Dells. And an individual started attending, I believe, on the third iteration called... Actually, I'm not going to use names. It's a bad idea. But uh, this individual was from a country in the Caribbean, Uh that's not the weird part. The weird part is he would just kind of go to our events and I think like not tell his parents where he was. And I, during that third event, started getting calls from this random number in the Caribbean. And I was like, what in the world is going on here? And I finally actually catch one because I never really looking at my phone to the event and I answer it. And they just go, have you heard from my son? And I was like, I don't know who you are. Um, and they just start yelling at me that I kidnapped their son. Um, and I was confused. It was like 2 a.m. We were drunk playing two-person, one controller. Uh, it was it was a very weird time. And eventually I got them to be able to say the attendee's name because I was able to cross-reference it in Smash GG. And I realized who it was. And I find the player, track him down, and he just takes my phone from me and, like, shuts it off and kind of just, like, puts it down and doesn't allow me to pick it up. So was weird to begin with. Uh, eventually, this just translates into me sternly talking to this individual that if this happens again, I will kick him out of the event, um, which then happened two years later because he arrives at one of our events. I'm like, oh, God, he's back. And he's wearing a full... Um, 
anime girl maid outfit with a kabuki mask. And I was like, what the fuck is this? Sorry, I don't know if I can say fuck here. What what the heck is this? Um, and eventually it kind of just evolves into him running around the conference center. It's a water park tournament, hitting people with a pool noodle, wearing a kabuki mask. And yeah, at that point, it's time to pull the plug. I sit him down and talk to him like he's a fourth grader and I'm a school teacher. He starts crying and saying, I hate his home country. Um, and I just, he, he had to go, uh, turns out he had tried to assault another individual at the event previously and security was already trying to find him to cook him out, kick him out. Hence why he was wearing the Kabuki mask and like, God, I, I I don't know, man. I just look back at that sometimes and I go, wow, I really couldn't have found this anywhere else other than at a water park conference center in Wisconsin. Wow, what an experience. That's, uh, that's pretty wild. Uh, was the individual in question a minor at the time? Oh, oh yeah, that's the best part. Uh, you've kidnapped my son, you've kidnapped my son. He was like 27. Yikes. I don't know. Uh, all right, well, well, that's that's going to be a tough one for anybody else to top, I feel like. Um... It, grassroots tournaments are dumb. Stuff happens all the time. They're just there. Okay, so for people who want to get involved in like event management in esports specifically or otherwise, uh, what kind of recommendations would you give them? Like, where where would somebody start? Send the email. Jesus Christ! Um, so many people just don't want to reach out. Um, but usually, if you're the kind of person that thinks you would be qualified or you do want to work in the space, a you're already crazy to do the amount of work that's actually required, and B, you're probably ready for it. So just reach out, send the email, sign up for the volunteer opportunity, say, I got this. And you'd be very, very surprised as to what can possibly be in store for you. I started running events because the first event that I attended, it turns out that the main event manager had a, I believe it was a family issue, couldn't be there. We got there and there was no one to run the tournament. And I just went, hey, I've done student organizations. I'm definitely not 17. I'm going to run this now. And no one was like, oh, that's a terrible idea. I have 18 years of experience in esports, and I will not allow you to do this because like, we're all bad at what we're doing, and no one knows what's going on. So might as well put in the work if you can. And just really, as esports is developing more, of course, it's harder to jump in and be the first to do something or really show that initial initi- initiative but sending an email, finding a contact person and saying, hey, I'm ready to help and I'm not crazy goes an extremely long way. Uh, people always ask online how I kind of got started in things. And uh, this is for other stuff, too, even before esports. And my two rules are always be nice and don't be an ass. And you see those two rules, especially in the online realm. And you're like, wow, that doesn't seem hard. But like most people on the Internet don't really fit those kind of parameters, especially in online gaming communities. And if you find someone that can do the work that can fit both of those, you've kind of already set yourself up for success. All right. Um, now, as for, for networking, I kind of always say that uh, it's quite important when you do finally get to an event to, to network a bit, uh, even if it's just more like a friendly, you know, meeting other people, not even from a professional side of things. Um, Do you have any tips for people who come to one of your events or other events, how they kind of connect with you or other people who maybe are in charge of running the events? 
Uh, so first off, again, back to those two rules. Just be nice. Um, be helpful if it's needed. Of course, don't be overly helpful. Um, if you don't see a volunteer opportunity, don't, you know, wait around and wait for one to happen. But if there's an event, there's most likely a volunteer forum. Sign up with that. Another great thing that I've kind of always just used because of who I am, uh, I realized it was networking more uh, in the past little bit, but I always use food. Um, I bring snacks to events. I bring candy. I bring all this stuff because it's kind of easy to see when someone's like having a rough time or about to shut down and a little bit of food goes the long way. And really, yeah, just kind of putting yourself out there, um, giving food and being a shoulder to vent to really just being a supportive individual. Because while, of course, while networking, you're a lot of times doing it because you know it can benefit you. At events, it's easy to brighten someone's day with just a comment or really allow them to keep going if they're about to crash. Uh, and then the secondary thing that I've done, and this is something that requires a little bit more of a different situation, but one of the coolest things that I started doing, I think it was at my first event, was um, finding a way to create mementos or memories. And this didn't really start as a networking thing per se. This started because I had extra merchandise uh, when we were selling posters for an event. Uh, we create little mini posters and the attendees sign them and that's what they can take home. And it's five bucks and it's cheap. It can fit in the suitcase. We had extra things left over. So I got a bunch of the staff to sign it and gave it to kind of the key individuals that without them, things wouldn't have happened. Uh, this isn't just on my team. I mean, like in the venue itself and in gaming and in these kind of opportunities, especially in the event space, most people that are working like may eventually get money, but it's a lot of a thankless job. And if you can create that special moment of giving them something like a sign memento, like a poster, a picture, a keychain, anything that has real significance from the event itself, it's a magic moment. I don't know how many times I've continued this tradition that we've given uh, a poster to an owner of like a large scale event because a lot of times we're just there to run our part of the event and seeing them tear up, seeing the actual key connection and those kind of things you can build on, those kind of things you can really grow. And I love it so much because I never wanted to do it because, you know, I wanted that connection. I wanted that LinkedIn invite. It was something that was real and it was genuine and it works. And the most of those people that we've had the opportunity to work with, give posters to and really show our thanks, I'm super good friends with now and they're great resources. Wow. Really personal touch there. Alan, so I know you don't have a lot of time left, so I just got two two more questions for you. Um, Let's do it. Is there anyone you look up to in the esports industry or even events management? So honestly, so many people. I I am still incredibly young. Uh, it does bite me in the butt a lot. Um, really trying to make sure that I continue learning as much as I can, but. At the end of the day, I think the list of my esports people is incredibly vast. There's uh, Justin Paper Fairy, who does a lot of things for Brawlhalla in the past Mass GG. Um, really, really, really look up to the individuals at a lot of the major gaming companies right now. Uh, it's hard being a person that works at a 
um, video game, like the people who actually make the games, those kind of companies in an esports environment, because you have to manage your brand, you have to manage your image, but you also have to try and make the individual players happy. And it's a really hard thing to pitch, especially when you have companies like Nintendo, where esports is important to them. But at the end of the day, the people that are involved in esports are only a tiny, tiny, tiny percentage of their actual sales numbers. So it's a hard thing to pitch. Uh, really look up to JC. He's a member of the Nintendo's team that has been incredibly supportive of the events that I've worked in the past. Um, just an amazing individual that really goes against, I think, all odds someday to try and make sure communities' voices are heard. Uh, the individuals over at Riot that really seem to be player forward in the esports community, and even some of the more fledgling indie companies. I know the guys over at Brawlhalla, Bagel TV, who they contract a lot. They're just out there trying to give the best experience they can on budgets that sometimes may be working against them. Awesome. And uh, succinctly as you care, uh, how would you recommend someone who wants to get involved in esports? How would someone land a job in esports and maybe contribute to, to the industry themselves? So landing a job in esports is a tricky endeavor uh, because a lot of times the best way to work in esports may not necessarily be having your entire paycheck be esports. If you're going to be wanting to land a job in this field, uh, be prepared for at least initially it being something that you may not be the most comfortable with, that you may not have your major interest in helping, if you're going to have it be the, the thing that's paying the bills, because obviously you don't want to starve. Um, if you have the opportunity, and this is a very privileged thing to say, to kind of have another source of income, have esports as something that you're building as a networking opportunity, as a potential career on the side while you're working in another area. It's probably the best thing that I can give advice-wise because really the scary thing about the industry sometimes is unless you already have the money to attend events, to really grow your brand, to get the initial equipment that you need for whatever it is that you want to do, then it's going to be a lot harder to jump in. Um, I'm speaking on that purely from a perspective of kind of being out of college. If you're going to be going the more college route and starting super early, awesome. You rock. Make sure you get involved on a local level as much as possible, uh, whether that be university things like WVJ Esports or even looking into seeing what your state's doing. Atlanta surprised the crap out of me. I was at an event uh, with the Chamber of Economic something. I think it was Economic Commerce, but they're explaining how esports is like the fourth biggest thing growing in the state. Look for those kind of opportunities in college while you have the chance to network with these professionals and seeing where you can be of help, where you can be of service and try and grow with internships and getting something before you really have to step out into the real world. But at the end of the day, I think esports is something that is still so new that it doesn't have a huge barrier to entry skill wise. It's really just can you put in the work and do you want to put in the work? Um, I know so many people that love gaming and they love esports, not because they have it as a full-time career. They're able to do it something that's a hobby with their friends and they kill it and they do great work. But a lot of people don't want to do it as a hobby. They want to do it as a full-time thing. And it is possible. Just make sure you're not going to be in a situation where you hurt your livelihood, you hurt your mental health or your pockets and you're struggling to do so. Very wise words. Very wise Sometimes. words indeed. <laughs> I think like 50% of it was wise, but if you listen to it at like 1.25 speed, you're going to be like, damn, that 
Boy, at 9, 12 a.m., really knew what was going on. <laughs> the coffee must have just kicked in. God. Um, okay, well, thank you, Alan. Uh, is there, How can people find you? Not quite literally, but, you know, maybe online? No, honestly, people have found me in person, and I really should have done a better job at hiding myself. Um, but uh, I probably Twitter is the best way. Uh, it's 15% esports right now and 85% shit posting about the Bon Appetit test kitchen. But I promise gaming will be more back there soon. Uh, my at is at ACWOAE. Um, or you can just type in AC and Endgame, and I'm sure it'll pop up eventually. Awesome. Well, uh, thank you so much for your time. I uh, appreciate you I appreciate getting, getting you up too. a little bit early. Ha- happy, what, like 3.13, 2.13? What time is it for you? Yeah, it is 3.13 p.m. Ow. It's like midday nap time and then lunch, uh, dinner time. Sounds like a great time. It is, and we have sun in Berlin, which is a rarity uh, for winter from what I understand, so I cannot How complain. How dare you? We don't even have sun here. It's pouring unfortunate this is the first one first time i've seen it in weeks so very excited to go outside after this uh thank you once again for uh taking the time alan and uh let's talk again soon thank you for having me and subscribe to what the meta on all streaming platforms or perish (laughs) thanks i want to thank you all for listening and at the end of the day this podcast is a resource for you So if you would like to hear more about a certain topic or profession in the industry, definitely reach out and let me know. You can find me on Twitter at WhatTheMeta or by searching for Not Spencer across all social media. Thanks again. Now go crush it.